0: I think it's relative. So some people, I use an analogy all the time, some people stub their toe. But to them, that's the worst thing that's happened to them. So they're feeling the same emotions, maybe not at the scale that I did, but they're feeling the same emotions as something that someone goes through something very dramatic. Welcome back to the
1: Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, Colin Morgan is a former pro golfer and the founder and host of The Daily Grind podcast, where he interviews today's most successful people in hopes of inspiring the next great entrepreneur but his mission grew from a place of deep pain. Colin actually had a lot of support when he was growing up. He cites his father and his first golf coach as the people who instilled the belief that he could be successful. It was when he reached college that he discovered that not everyone had his best interest at heart. And this is when he experienced both psychological and sexual abuse. After the abuse, he started to hate golf but he still continued on the path to becoming a pro player anyway. Then one time during, in the middle of a tournament, he realized that he wasn't happy. He decided to make a dramatic change. He was drinking and partying to mask his feelings. And he says that where he really, that was where he really learned that how you do one thing is how you do everything. The way he was partying trickled down into every aspect of his life including entrepreneurship. He was always looking for the next get-rich-quick scheme, ultimately experiencing a cycle of failure and then getting excited about the next big idea. To create the change he needed, Colin started to incorporate habits like journaling, He wrote down things that he was grateful for, and he worked on a goal to move his business forward for at least 20 minutes a day, and it paid off. Colin has found a purpose in helping to prevent and stop abuse in sports, and he really encourages other survivors to reach out for help. Colin lost a college friend who also suffered abuse to suicide and says the work that he's doing goes much beyond abuse. It's about saving lives. This is an incredible episode. Bust out your pens and paper, maybe some tissue, but definitely prepare to take some notes and certainly brace for impact. Who inspired you, Colin, to dream big when you were a kid? Definitely have to be my father. I think growing up, my father was an entrepreneur, so he instilled in me a belief that I could do and whatever i wanted to be for me at a young age as a professional athlete and he instilled that
0: belief in me that i could do that if i worked hard if i set a plan together if i continue to practice and get better every day just like in business as an entrepreneur um, you can do great things so he was definitely the one to uh, instill that in me what kind of an entrepreneur is your father or was your father He started off in the restaurant industry. So he owned multiple restaurants when I was a young child. Um, Then he eventually sold those restaurants successfully, moved and sort of semi-retired for a period. And then he decided to jump back into it. I think like most entrepreneurs do, you always have that little bit of an itch. So now he helps people find funding through writing business plans, approaching investors and banks. And uh, like he likes to put put it, help entrepreneurs, you know, Live and realize their dream.
1: Wow, that's cool. That's that's awesome. And it sounds like you and your dad have a really close relationship.
0: Definitely, he was sort of the catalyst for me to start my own thing. There was a period of time where I was kind of in flux. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I finished golfing as an athlete, and uh, I started to work with him, and then I learned what it took to become an entrepreneur.
1: I found what I'm doing now. He gave me the freedom to to build what I'm doing on the side and uh, turn into this full-time gig. That's amazing. When you think back to your, your growing up and watching your dad as a businessman, what are some of the key traits, characteristics, sacrifices that come to memory for you as it relates to looking back and watching your father in the pursuit of fulfilling his own potential? Yeah, that's an interesting question because he was running multiple businesses, but he always set time aside for his family. And, you know, I played a whole bunch of different sports. and He was there you know,
0: 90% of the hockey games I had, most golf tournaments he would drive down. He always made time for his kids. And when I look at, and I kind of look back. I, I never, he never brought work home. He just wanted. He was really nice to people. if I look and was well liked. He valued relationships and treating people properly, and going the extra distance. And I think that's what has allowed him uh, to do what he's doing. But there was never a point, you know, when I was a kid where it was like, oh, he's working so hard, so many hours. You know, he's missing birthdays. Like he, he always made time.
1: Was he a golfer himself? He
0: hates the game.
1: <laughs> but he did introduce me to it. <laughs> yeah. How did he introduce you to the game of golf? And how did you find love when the most influential person in your life hated the game? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had played it when I was a kid. So him and my mom and brother used to go play golf. And I jumped
0: in the back when I was really young. They brought me, cut me down a couple of golf clubs and I did a dozen or so shots and I got to kind of, I've always been a visual learner. So as I watched them play golf, I started to realize oh, I want to do this more and more as I I grew up. And he just allowed me like both things, right? Like just allow me the freedom to do that, explore my curiosity. When
1: did you really decide that this was the path that, that golf, professional golf, collegiate golf was going to be the path that you were going to pursue? And And were there people around you as you were developing these skills saying to you, you know, Colin, you have real potential here. You should go for it.
0: Yeah, I think I was very lucky because I was surrounded by an awesome coach my whole life. I think my family, they all had a belief in me that I could do it. And I think from a young age, I always thought that I would do it, but I don't think I really realized it until maybe around 15 that I could. for sure get a full scholarship and playing well enough start down the ranks of reaching the pga
1: tour and there was no one that ever really told me that i couldn't do that so i was very lucky to have that support system in my family and people outside of my family who pushed me taught me the right things taught me to you know quiet the noise and just focus on you Uh, i was very blessed in that sense. Who was your your th- this coach that you had that that was the played the major role for you? Yeah,
0: his name's John White. So he's from a golf course called the Beachwood Golf and Country Club. He ran a whole the whole junior tour in, in our Niagara region. He did that just out of the grace of his own heart. He always taught me for free. His his deal was calling him to teach you for free. When you going on the PGA tour, then you can start to pay. And I was always. He's always done little things like that for me. And even when I started my professional career, he gave me golf bags and golf gloves and golf balls. Didn't even ask for it. He just gave them to me.
1: Just one of those type of people that give, give, give so much. And uh, I think now people are starting to give back to him, which is so nice to see too. Wow. Did you ever ask him, like, why are you doing this? Why do you take that kind of an approach?
0: He for sure had a belief in me. Um, I don't think I've ever sat down and asked him that question, though. And I, I think that that's definitely something that I would do. But he, even when he was teaching here, he just always he went above and beyond just teaching me how to swing a golf club. He talked to me about thinking through the game, always talked to me about as as if I'd already been on the PGA Tour, which mm. was so refreshing because I've had other coaches in different sports and in golf especially not do that. So to have someone think that way and almost have you in that position before you're there. And it's just a matter of time was just it was very inspirational.
1: Give us an example of a moment where you were feeling particularly stuck in the process of becoming a professional golfer, and he pulled you out or he helped guide you through the stuckness. <laughs> mm. I would even like take it back to when I was younger and I was able to
0: perform at local level events. But every time I stepped out nationally or internationally, I had a hard time translating my game over like most people do. And he was, we were on the range one time and I think he was just like calling to, you're the best player in the skull term. And... For some reason, like it just like you just need that little bit of confidence because locally you kind of know it because you play with everyone. But you step out on a bigger scale. you see one on the driving range; they, have, they can hit the ball further. They're all dressed the same as you. They all nice clubs. It's a bit intimidating, but to have someone there who just continues just to instill that belief that listen, you, you don't just belong here. You're the best here. Go play like it. It, it, it. Like that's so most like motivate fires me up even to this day.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you, do you use that mantra kind of today? Do you have like a mantra that you use to pump yourself up? I would say my father always taught me at a young age to look in the mirror and say, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I like myself. So I would say that if there was a mantra that I would use, it would probably be that. <laughs> that's that's cool. Um, have you ever read the book? It's called Psyched Up. Psyched Up? I haven't. can't say I have. It's it's written by a guy um, who's a journalist for the Harvard Business Review. Mm. And as an athlete and a business person, you might enjoy it because it talks about the psychology of like pregame performance, both both as you know, in, in the sports context, but also in the business context, which is really cool. That's so interesting.
0: I'll have to write that up.
1: So you are, you know, in this pursuit to become a professional golfer and and for most people the the path that they take is, you know, you've got your junior route, you've got your high school route, and then you've got college. So the day that you get your letter your of acceptance for a full-ride scholarship, what was that moment like?
0: At the time of the signing, uh, it was everything that i would worked for. That was the stepping stone, I thought, to reaching my ultimate goal. This is what people do. Go play at your high school You go to the States, you play college golf, and that leads into a professional career. What I didn't know is when I stepped on campus for the first day, my life would change forever. What do you mean by that? So in sports, there's a culture. You know, it's like, you know, fight through the pain, be tough, make sacrifices. And, you know, you have to sacrifice today for the future. And when I stepped into college, it was the first time that I faced any sort of adversity in my life. So as a background, because my father was an entrepreneur, both my parents were entrepreneurs for that matter. I had so many people telling me that I could do what I wanted to do. I had no negativity in my life. I didn't experience much outside of sports. Like I wasn't one to party because I played five sports, so I didn't have any time to party. So when I stepped into college for the first day, I was introduced to things for the first time and I never thought that people didn't have my best interest in mind. And that made me very vulnerable because as a kid, you have this mentality that your dream is everything and you'd be willing to do anything to pursue and reach that dream. Just like when, if I ask you like, what would you do to protect your family? Mm -hmm. 99.9% 99.9% of people are going to say anything. Mm-hmm. So, in the same way you have that feeling of protecting your family, I had that same feeling of protecting my dreams. And when I stepped on campus and realized that people didn't have my best interests in mind, I realized, you know, I'm being abused psychologically, ended up being abused sexually. And now the game that brought me so much joy was just an outlet for me anger wise to get everything out. And I ended up hating the game for a very long period of time, even though I still did pursue golf at a professional level. It wasn't out of something of joy. It was, this is what I wanted. I don't want it anymore, but I can't, I I didn't work at anything else. So what else am I going to do? So I felt like this was the natural step. Wow. And during that time I, I started playing professionally and, Obviously, if you don't deal with your pain points and your past, you have triggers that come up over and over. You may be fine for a week or a month or two months, but it's a cycle where something pops up and then you go through a dark place for a period of time and then things start to get better. It seems like you're over it and then you're back down. So I fought through that so much as a professional and my game actually got a whole bunch worse. I started out decently as a professional, but I eventually won tournament in Arizona. Uh, My brother came down to Caddy for me. I was on the ninth hole of a four-round event. Paid a big money to get into the event as sponsors. And I just looked at him like, I can't do this anymore. This is...
1: What am I doing? I have been here for three months. I've seen nothing in Arizona because I'm so consumed with myself that all I do is drive to the golf course, come home, play video games. It's just not a way that I wanted to live. And it was sort of at that time, I think, where I realized that I needed to change and I needed to take the steps in order to, to do something differently. I am so incredibly grateful for the continued support and of Master of the Key and spreading and sharing the message of this now international bestseller around the world with your friends, with your family, with, your, with yourself. And I wanna share another review with you from Amazon. This comes from Sonoma6 and is titled, Quick Inspirational Read, Builds Your Hunger for Mastering the Key and PB&Js. You'll have to read the book to learn about that PB&J reference. After reading this book this last week, I have bought additional books to hand out to my staff and peers. As I've told them, the title might appear to be a work of nonfiction. However, this fictional story of Steve and his life will easily relate to many of our lives and the hurdles we face. Filled with good stories, humble reflections, and passionate ambition to free one's potential potential, this book inspires us all to look inward and unlock our own potential. Also, bring your appetite. One cannot finish this book without making themselves a PB&J and eating it after a dip in milk. A first time for me, not bad. Thank you so much, Sonoma Six, for your support, for sharing this message, this book, with with your peers, with your colleagues. If you have not picked up a copy of Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning and live life on purpose, hit pause, head over to Amazon, type in Master the Key, Mike Flynn, and pick yourself up a copy or two or three or more for yourself, for your friends, for your family, for your colleagues. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And And let me know. How you feel about the book by leaving a review on Amazon or emailing me directly at info at the impact dot net. Now back to the show. Wow, you know, there's we've talked about my book when I was on your show. And, and <clears> one <throat> of the things, one of the, the, the final piece and the key is community. And one of the main lessons that the the mentor in that particular part of the book teaches is that your environment matters, but who you allow into your environment matters even more. Yes. And so if you, if you compare and contrast your upbringing, your childhood, your adolescence, and the belief that was instilled in you and the can-do attitude and the support and the encouragement and you're the best to... Your, your collegiate experience where you would uh-huh. think you would think that you'd get there as a, as a co- college athlete. And like, I, I never played college sports. I actually had the potential to play college sports, but I blew my knee in high school and that ended that path. Yeah. And so you, you get to college and you think that this is going to be the most efe- efficient place to accelerate the pursuit of my of my giftedness of my dreams of the, that they are going to surround me with the greatest minds to help fix all of my you know inefficiencies and that they're going to take best care of me and you end up getting abused both physically sexually and, and mentally and yeah. I, I can only imagine that that becomes like this dark shadow as you were kind of, it changed your whole understanding, appreciation and relationship to the game. It was no longer this thing that brought you joy. It was, as you said, it was a game that you began. You grew to hate. Yeah. It became something where I lived to live my dream. Like I, I was so focused on, I'm doing what I love to do. And it became, I'm no longer living for my dream. I'm just living to survive. Like, Mm. how do I get through today? How do Mm. I get through this week? Because there's so many emotions that you go through. And like I said, it's just a massive cycle where it gets okay. And then there's a buildup and then an incident happens and then there's a recovery and then it goes back to being okay. And it's a cycle that happens of Mm. abuse. And Mm -hmm. that's how it's able to last. You know, you look back and you're like, I can't believe I put myself in those settings. but it probably happened to kids for twenty years before that. So well, yeah. it's not like yeah. I'm the first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about like there's there's all of this news about this kind of this type of abuse happening in competitive sports. If you just look at the the Olympic circuit, for instance, you know, like Olympic gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I've I've I'm sure I don't know about you, but I've I've spoken with many Olympic athletes, and they've all experienced some level of physical abuse. Throughout, not not all of them. Many of them have experienced some level of of physical abuse, and and some had had experienced sexual abuse at the hands of that same doctor that was that was ended ended up being convicted. That was the uh, yeah. women's gymnastic team, and it's it's amazing that you know you must have gone through a whole range of emotions, especially when the incident happened, when you're like thinking to yourself, wait a second, did that just happen? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you don't have to get into the nitty gritty details, but like, would you take us through kind of that piece of your story in a minute because for a minute, because it it is going to tie into something that I want to talk about, which is about how you can do great things with the hard things that you've experienced. So could you just, tap into that story for a minute yeah so i mean like most nights of drinking because it wasn't a an option it was like a prerequisite to play (laughs) so i was drinking and like most nights drink too much i passed out i woke up and then i realized
0: i'm like first of all something doesn't feel right here and then i knew exactly what had happened And I remember just lying there and having this feeling of like, first of all, no one's ever going to know. But because no one's ever going to know, the only way I can do this is I need to become a different person. And it was almost like the old Colin died and now a new Colin was here. And that was the only way I could survive. And from then on
1: in, I was just trying to prove to everyone that I was masculine that proved to everyone that I was an athlete and trying to prove so much because inside I just felt broken. Mm -hmm. And so you, I read an article that you had written a couple years ago. And instead of being super dialed in on the process, you became obsessed with outcome and results because that was the definition of. Of success, of realizing your dreams, yeah. so how did that, how did that manifest in, in your in your life? And, and when you weren't seeing the results that you had set for yourself and became obsessed with, what did that do to you?
0: Yeah, I think when I looked back, I became really obsessed with instant gratification, and if it was to do everything to mask where i was feeling like i would drink you'd feel like crap in the morning but you mask at least what you're feeling for a few hours at that night and that trickled down into everything i did and that's where i really learned too how you do one thing is how you do everything and the way i was you know partying and doing all those things it trickled down into every aspect of my life so as i started to try to do things in business. And as an entrepreneur, I was was the one always looking for that quick get rich scheme. And I quickly realized that there is no such thing as a quick get rich scheme. But I didn't realize that until I started to get help and work on myself. But every time I'd go through that failure, just again, you go through that really dark period, just brings you back. But then you go through that dark period and come up with the next great idea and it brings you back to happiness, because it's just instant right oh, I can start I'm mean, gonna create a webinar it's gonna make a million dollar next month like there we go let's do it, and then it doesn't happen, and you get down in that dark spot It's just like that same cycle that's happening in my personal life. That's how I was doing everything um, but it wasn't until I started to deal with my personal issues that I really started to uncover
1: that become aware of that change those those patterns and behaviors that's so important that you that you began to develop that self-awareness because what what ends up happening in that moment is it it's the launch pad it's the it's the fork in the road that's going to enable you or disable you from being a, a mentor and a leader to others which ultimately is how we become successful entrepreneurs mm-hmm. it's not it's not in and of our self and our own effort it's helping others along the way to realize what they're capable of or create a smoother path or a more efficient way of, of helping them achieve their goals. And so I want to talk about how you are taking something very hard that you experienced, both the, the abuse aspect of it and also the death of a dream. The death of a dream mm-hmm. that, that you experienced that you, that you had since you were a kid. You know, and that you carried with you into college and then ultimately died there. And then a shadow of it, a shell of it lasted for a little while longer in the pursuit of becoming a PGA Tour pro. And then you you had to shed that skin, right? You had Mm -hmm. to shed that skin to become a, a new creation, right? So to speak. So how are you doing great? How are you approaching and how would you coach other people to approach doing great things with the hard things they've experienced, regardless of what those things might be. Because you experience something
0: that's pretty doggone dark. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people do though. And I think it's relative. So some people, I use the analogy all the time. Some people stub their toe, but to them, that's the worst thing that's happened to them. So they're feeling the same emotions, maybe not at the scale that I did, but they're feeling the same emotions as something that someone goes through, something very dramatic. So I think we all sort of face that in our lives. And what I learned is that to approach business and approach life like an athlete. And I think that's when things started to click for me. I looked at what did I do when I performed at my best and what do the top in the world do to perform at their best? And I started to follow those, beha- those behaviors and, and habits. And the habits are what the, the small things you do every day lead to the biggest results in your life. We often think, oh, but we have to do these crazy things every day. And that's the only way we can you know, increase our business 150% or be this amazing speaker or write this book I always dreamed up. But it's the small things like as an athlete. So I started to incorporate these little habits and I started to develop them over time. And now that's what I'm helping people do as well. And it's amazing what happens when you just start to do small things every day because we're getting so stuck up in our lives that oftentimes we just get in a cycle of just getting comfortable and doing the same thing over and over. And when you do that, you don't develop. Mm -hmm. So what are some things we can do? So I started to be like, okay, as an athlete, I ate healthy. I worked out. I ensured that my mind was right. I had coaches because you don't just want to practice; you want to practice deliberately with a purpose. I remember like in sports, you go to a driving range in golf and you just hit balls for an hour. I promise you, after that hour, you probably get worse. <laughs> but if you go there for thirty minutes with the intent of I'm going to work on this one specific area of my game, and here's why I'm doing it. Well, now you go with a whole different mindset and becomes so amazing what happens during that practice session and then translate over into your game or an in entrepreneurship, into your life, and into your business. So I just started to think like an athlete and incorporate these small behaviors. And it just starts with, you know, for people out there who are wondering what you can do, like we look so much and I think we set our goals, Mike, when we're like at our highest peak. So we do it at New Year's Eve when we're so pumped up and motivated. Here's what we're going to do for the year. And people are like, I'm going to work out every day for three hours. I'm going to get so fit. I'm going to become this Instagram model. But it doesn't last because it's unrealistic. You're not always going to be in that state. So instead, why don't we scale back and do things much smaller? Why don't you try working out every day for five minutes? And if you can do that for 30 days... Will then increase it to 10 minutes. And if you can do that, increase it even more, and it just becomes a habit, it's like brushing your teeth in the morning. It just becomes something that you do. So it's just working on those small habits and behaviors, and the more things you can click in on and understand why you're doing it, and then importantly, schedule it out in your calendar to ensure that you're making time to do this, the results are, are epic.
1: Yeah, I, I love... Everything you just laid out there, because, it, but I want to, I want to hone in on two things because you, you talked about habits, but you didn't talk about adopting a bunch of habits all at mm-hmm. the same time. You talked about you, you wouldn't, I would, I don't imagine that in order to rebuild this thing yourself, really, your mind, your body, your your emotional well being, spiritual well being. You weren't taking on all of these things at the same time. You were focusing Correct. on one thing and doing your best to begin mastering that thing before you added another thing to the equation. Or maybe you're doing two or three. So, Correct. like what, what would be like the fundamental things for you that like the two or three habits that you started to work on immediately? in order to begin engaging in the process of rebuilding confidence?
0: Yeah, there's a few. So I think journaling is super important in the morning and at night ideally, but just starting in the morning and whether it's starting out with writing five things that you're grateful for, five I am statements, and then your intention for the day. So what do you want to bring out in the world today? How do you want to be perceived? What do you want to accomplish and why? starting there, then maybe adding in something like, I want to start eating healthier. But we're just take a scale back. Let's try drinking a gallon of water a day. So we're going to journal every day. We're going to drink a gallon of water every day. We're going to do 20 minutes of exercise every day. And then we're going to focus on 20 minutes and something that's going to advance us forward in some aspect of our life. So if you're in business, spend 20 minutes on getting that book done that you want to accomplish in a year. So every day, minimum of 20, you can go longer than that, but these are the bare minimum that you have to do. And I think Mm -hmm. if you could take four of those little things and start to do them, here's the secret to it, because if you're doing it yourself, well, you're probably going to skip a day. So how do you understand that you're holding yourself accountable to doing it with others? And that's really when it's starting to click into, and that's what it clicks in. That's what I do with my inner circle group is we don't just do this by ourselves, but now we have to hold each other accountable. We have to show the internal, you have to show the exercise, you have to show that you are drinking the water, we have to show the work and write it into what you've done. And now you have a group of people that are helping you and you're holding each other accountable in the same sense of having that team setting, right? And when you go back to sports, you have a team setting now, and you wonder. How do the Patriots every year win the Super Bowl? I guarantee if you broke down, they're all holding each other accountable and they all have specific measurable goals in mind and they're doing it together. And wow. that's what I think we all can do. That's, that's awesome. You know, uh, speaking of the
1: Patriots, did you, do you happen to follow Tom Brady on Instagram? I do. Did you see what he posted yesterday? I don't, but I'm going to look right now. His draft card. Oh no way! Oh, he, I've seen it. He, uh, he got. He was at the NFL Football Hall of Fame, and they let him hold his draft card. Sixth round, one hundred ninety ninth pick overall. Wow! I'm looking at it. Winningest his quarterback two. history. Yep. Yeah. So it's just a, in his caption. He said it's important to remember where you came from. You know, which I think actually segues pretty nicely into my next question or where I want to go next. And, and that is how your evolution of your understanding of purpose has, has evolved over the course of your, your career, both as a professional athlete and as an entrepreneur. Yeah. When I look back, I really don't think that I truly ever had a purpose. Like, it's not something I could sit and be like, you know, my purpose was to do this because of this.
0: And I think that that's even early on as an entrepreneur in a business. I think that's why a lot of us don't see results because we can't clearly define what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. And Mm -hmm. I think to an extent that knowing what your purpose is is truly important, but being adaptable that it's going to change is also important because who I was at 20 is different than who I am at essentially 30. And who I am at 30 is going to be different than who I am at 40. Things are going to change. But if you don't have that set out for yourself, it's difficult to get yourself up out of bed every morning. You don't want to. It's difficult to do the work when you don't feel like it. So knowing that, even for me right now, my purpose is to help prevent and stop abuse in sports, and it's something that is going to take a long time. It's something that you know. Do I wish I could speak at every university this year for sure? But like anything else, being patient and and knowing that it's going to take time, we're just in the stages of bringing awareness to this because most people don't understand that two to eight percent of athletes. Endure abuse at some point during their athletic career. Um, and that's sexual abuse. If you go into physical and mental, the numbers are way higher. But if you just look at sexual abuse I and mean, those numbers are staggering, that's almost 10 athletes per NC2A university that are facing that. Mm-hmm. And those aren't stats that you can ignore. So it's bringing awareness to that. But those are the things like having that instilled in, in still me. This is what gets me up, this is what ensures that you know, I'm working on what I need to work on, I'm doing what I need to do now, but also not forgetting what, what I'm actually working for, and it's super important because we're people, and I'm the same way, like, there's days that I don't want to do what I want to do, there's days I want to sleep in for an extra two hours, I want to not do anything, but you know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it, and I think that's important.
1: Or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. It takes a great amount of courage to face the bully, to face the abuser, to stand up to to goliath to to approach these universities who have a lot at stake financially uh-huh. with their athletic programs and 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 give and and demand the space to raise awareness around this issue because whether they're guilty to it or not it's a it's a blemish on them that that there's something going on that's wrong in the collegiate space <laughs> and and that is um something thats that needs to be done, so mm-hmm. where do you where do you draw your courage from for this kind of an, an effort because it's going to it's going to be a courageous effort to, yeah. to get to, to accomplish this well
0: I look back and you
1: know part of my story too was I had one of my great friends from university came down maybe about five years ago and this is when I was playing professional golf and he was going to come down for a week. Coming from Oklahoma down to Canada. And he ended up saying, the whole summer. And we kind of, without knowing exactly, it's like when you've been through some, something together with someone, you don't even have the same thing, you just kind of know. And you're mm-hmm. sort of, you, I, both, I, I knew that we were both sort of feeling that pain. And our interaction that summer ended
0: abruptly. It was like one argument we drove home two hours didn't speak a word he went into his room packed up all the stuff and left and that was the last time i'd ever saw jb and i didn't know what what kind of pain he was going through and two years ago two years later uh, i got a phone call from one of my teammates saying that jb took his own life oh wow going through that and seeing that the effects it can have because people don't have the support system I had. People don't have that. And the work I'm doing goes much beyond abuse. It goes, it's about saving lives. That's the way I look at it. So it's, it's much, it's so important for me
1: to do this because it could save a life. And that to me is selfless work that needs to be done, and I don't need any more motivation than that to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, that's that's a deep reservoir of courage, bravery, energy. I mean, you mm-hmm. name it, sustenance. I mean, that is going to you. You have a deep well from which to draw when you are ex- going through the the challenges of trying to raise awareness around this particular issue. And you know, this show is all about impact and about Responding to the impact moments of our life and using them to have a game changing impact in the lives of others, and you are certainly doing that with this, my friend. So I would just well, thank like you big time kudos to you. Thank you. And you know, I think that that's a, I, I like, I, I mean, you left me a little bit speechless because uh, I didn't, I didn't know about JP's story. You know, that's not avail, that's not available on the internet to 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 read, uh, but. You know the, the reality is is that that is such a driver for, for people to take don't let his suffering go to in vain right like yes. you, you have the ability to take your to unite your suffering with his suffering and bring it out into the world and shine a light in the darkness and that's mm-hmm. actually that's actually what the 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 meaning of the word compassion is. So the word passion mm-hmm. means the willingness to suffer for something. Compassion means the willingness to suffer with. Right? Oh, wow. yeah. So you are having comp I- compassion on JP, on yourself, and on all of the families and athletes past, present, and future that that experienced what you experienced and didn't have a voice, didn't have a support group, didn't have a network of people, didn't have a community to support them and, and build them up and help them along the way. And you, this effort, my friend, is going to bring a great deal of healing to not just the future athletes that that have experienced or may experience something like this, but but more importantly, I think to People who have experienced it and have not had an opportunity to uh, to voice their pain. So, so I'm really yeah. proud of you for for, for you. doing that. Yeah, and for and for and for taking your reflecting on your story mm-hmm. and bending back the light, right? Bending back the the time and directing light. Onto that dark thing and controlling the energy that it creates in your life and therefore what you can create in the world. So that's so powerful.
0: Yeah. And you know what? They're, you know, for people who are going through something, it's like you kind of get consumed in your own self and it's hard to think outside of yourself. But know that when you do open up and you do reach out and ask for help. Like I can tell you from first-hand experience that people are amazing. Like As much as people may on the outside or in your day-to-day life may piss you off or do things to upset you or you think that they're selfish, but when you really open up yourself,
1: I think it opens you up to a whole new world to understand that we as people are actually really good. And as much as there's hate out there, they will do anything to help you. Hmm. Man, where can people go to learn more about what you are doing? Obviously, you have the Daily Grind podcast, which Mm. is a great daily podcast where you've interviewed such luminaries like myself and Seth, (laughs) you know, Guy Kawasaki, all these great people. And then I'm a little peon, like in the little uh, in the mix of things. But you have this great podcast that people can listen to on a daily basis, uh, and and then what else are you doing? Where where can they go to learn or engage with this awareness that you are creating? Have you do you have any, you know, digital platforms in that regard? Yeah,
0: I share a whole bunch of stuff, not only business but personal on Instagram. So you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram. It's colinmorgan.dgp and also connect with me via LinkedIn. Uh, either one of those two platforms will give you sort of the best idea and insight to who I am gives you the ability to reach out and for anyone who wants to reach out to me, I always offer this to people. Uh, Mike, uh, I'd be willing to offer a free 15 minute call. I don't know if I can give you a link to put the show notes, but if everyone wants to connect, whether that's to get help or just just to talk, uh, I'm happy to do that. Sure. Yeah. You can
1: email me the, uh, your link and we'll, we'll definitely include it in the show notes. Definitely. Perfect. Well, here is the, the first of the three questions that I ask of every single guest. Are you ready? I'm ready, all right. If you could take any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, so a skill you already have and dial it into an eleven, what would it be? I think you talked about compassion, and I think there was almost two if be compassion and empathy. I think uh, for myself been having been through so many different things and having. Growing up and seeing money and not having money myself, it gives you a different perspective on people and gives you more compassion for them and what they're going through and more empathy. And I think if we could all hone into that, like you said, take that to an 11, that would definitely be a superpower. Mm, I love that. I love that. Next question is, what are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing what we're truly capable of becoming?
0: Mm, I can't my favorite. I don't have any time. And I'm not the one. And you may not say that directly or to yourself, but having that
1: feeling that you can't do it, that you're not the special one to go ahead and do what you want to do. Those are the three biggest lies. (laughs) You know, I actually, I forgot to talk about time earlier. And that is one of the there's, when I answer that question, when when people flip it around, flip the mic on me and, and ask me that same question, the first two answers I give are that I don't have enough time, and yeah. the second is that I have enough time. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't know how we don't know Very how true. much time we have. Right? Like we we you know our are, are we're but a flicker of light on the on the earth. Right? So like our our lives are are here and then we're gone. Like we're like a not even like a. We're, we're like a blink, right, relative yeah. to the great expanse of the universe. Um, so true. And yet, at that same time, we have 168 hours a week in which to do stuff, right? That we get to choose what we get to do. We we don't have to do anything. We get to choose to do everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, we've we've got 54 hours. Let's say you're sleeping seven seven hours a night or whatever, you know, let's say you're sleeping on average about 50 some odd hours a week, right? That's a 118 hours left that you have time to do stuff. Uh-huh. So then let's say that you have, let's say you have, that's 118 hours, right? Let's say you work 50 hours a week, right? That leaves yeah. you 68 hours. To pursue your dreams, to spend time with those that you love, to exercise, to, you know, start learning a new skill, to walk on the beach, right? 68 hours, right? I mean, it's, it is the greatest dis- distraction from time has become social media. People get sucked into it and if you, and they spend hours and hours on social media every day you can just go look at your battery percentage usage on your phone and it will tell you the truth that you're trying to ignore <laughs> yeah it's true okay so so the last question is it comes from the title of a book by an author named Clay Christensen who is a professor at Harvard and he wrote a a book it was a reflective book it was kind of a deviation from his typical work but uh this book was was titled How Will You Measure Your Life? And since you are an athlete, right, at, at heart, you're a competitor at heart. Yeah. And now your game is entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. When you it's a hundred years from now, and you've left and you're being inducted into the entrepreneurs' hall of fame. <laughs> Love it. And and you've left a set of instructions for your your family your 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 uh, generations that you left behind to how they should curate this experience to commemorate your legacy what would those instructions include and and answer them by by addressing that question how will you measure your life
0: mm. well i sort of live my life currently off of I value what other people say when I'm not in the room. So I think that every interaction that I have with someone, I want them to feel energized and enthusiastic and happy about themselves and give them energy that they may not have when I'm in the room with them. So when I leave, I want people to say that I did that for more people than they can count is that when I spent time with someone, whether I was on a podcast or met them for lunch or at a family reunion or with a friend, that the interactions I had with them left people feeling better about themselves.
1: Well, Colin, I love that answer. And I hope and my prayer for you is that you you get to see that, hear that, feel that affirmation, appreciation, and acknowledgement often throughout your life and not a hundred years from now. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Thank you to this week's guest, and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters, we could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.